Anna Karenina, Part One, Chapter Fourteen, read for LibriVox.org by Kirsten Ferreri. At the end of the evening, Kitty told her mother of her conversation with Levine, and in spite of all the pity she felt for Levine, she was glad at the thought that she had received an offer. She had no doubt that she had acted rightly, but after she had gone to bed for a long while, she could not sleep. One impression pursued her relentlessly. It was Levine's face with his scowling brows and his kind eyes looking out in dark dejection below them, as he stood listening to her father, and glancing at her and at Vronsky. And she felt so sorry for him that tears came into her eyes, but immediately she thought of the man for whom she had given him up. She vividly recalled his manly, resolute face, his noble self-possession, a good nature conspicuous in everything towards everyone. She remembered the love for her of the man she loved, and once more all was gladness in her soul, and she lay on the pillow, smiling with happiness. "'I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but what could I do? It's not my fault,' she said to herself. But an inner voice told her something else. Whether she felt remorse at having won Levine's love, or at having refused him, she did not know, but her happiness was poisoned by doubts. "'Lord, have pity on us! Lord, have pity on us! Lord, have pity on us!' she repeated to herself, until she fell asleep. Meanwhile, there took place, below, in the prince's little library, one of the scenes so often repeated between the parents, on account of their favourite daughter. "'What? I'll tell you what!' shouted the prince, waving his arms, and at once wrapping his squirrel-lined dressing-gown around him again. "'That you've no pride, no dignity, that you're disgracing, ruining your daughter by this vulgar, stupid matchmaking. "'But really, for mercy's sake, prince, what have I done?' said the princess, almost crying. She, pleased and happy after her conversation with her daughter, had gone to the prince to say good-night, as usual, and though she had no intention of telling him of Levine's offer and Kitty's refusal, still she hinted to her husband that she fancied things were practically settled with Vronsky, and that he would declare himself so soon as his mother arrived. And thereupon, at those words, the prince had all at once flown into a passion, and began to use unseemly language." "'What have you done? I'll tell you what. First of all, you're trying to catch an eligible gentleman, and all Moscow will be talking of it, and with good reason. If you have evening parties, invite everyone. Don't pick out the possible suitors. Invite all the young bucks. Engage a piano player, and let them dance, not as you do things nowadays, hunting up good matches. It makes me sick, sick to see it, and you've gone on till you've turned the poor wench's head. Levine's a thousand times the better man. As for this little Petersburg swell, they're turned out by machinery, all on one pattern, all precious rubbish. But if he were a prince of the blood—' My daughter need not run after any one. "'But what have I done? Why, you—the prince was crying wrathfully. "'I know if one were to listen to you,' interrupted the princess, "'we should never marry our daughter. If it's to be so, we'd better go into the country.' "'Well, and we had better.' "'Oh, but do wait a minute. Do I try and catch them? I don't try and catch them in the least. A young man, and a very nice one, has fallen in love with her, and she, I fancy—oh, yes, you fancy, now if she really is in love, and he's no more thinking of marriage than I am. Oh, then I should live to see it. Oh, spiritualism! Oh, niece! Oh, the ball!' And the prince, imagining that he was mimicking his wife, made a mincing curtsy at each word. "'And this is how we're preparing wretchedness for Kitty, and she's really got the notion into her head.' "'But what makes you suppose so?' "'I don't suppose I know. "'We have eyes for such things that women-folk haven't. "'I see a man who has serious intentions. "'That's Levine. "'And I see a peacock like this featherhead "'who's only amusing himself.' "'Oh, well, when once you get an idea into your head, "'well, you'll remember my words, but too late, "'just as with Dolly.' "'Well, well, we won't talk of it,' "'the princess stopped him, "'recollecting her unlucky Dolly. 
by all means, and good night. And signing each other across, the husband and wife parted with a kiss, feeling that they each remained of their own opinion. The prince had at first been quite certain that that evening had settled Kitty's future, and that there could be no doubt of Vronsky's intentions. But her husband's words had disturbed her, and returning to her own room, in terror before the unknown future, she too, like Kitty, repeated several times in her heart, "'Lord, have pity! Lord, have pity! Lord, have pity!' End of chapter 15 This recording is in the public domain.